0: Welcome to the C3 Church Coffs Harbour podcast. We're glad you're here. We pray that you'll be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Hey, um, fifteen seventeen. It's an incredible year. Um, if you're a church history nerd, you'll know what this year means. Um, this year, that year, in history, not this year, that year, 1517, marked an incredible and significant moment in the life of the church as we know it. And our lives, whether we realize it or not, 500 years later, are, are impacted by how we encounter God, how we understand God, because of what happened at that particular time in history. At that particular time in history, a man named Martin Luther, who you probably would have heard of, um, He was a theologian, a very educated man, had a history in law, a very intellectual human being. And through his study of scripture, started to realize that the the mainstream church, the Catholic church, was actually preaching and teaching a doctrine that was actually incorrect. It was actually going against what Scripture actually taught. And because the average person didn't have access to the Word of God like you and I today, believe it or not, in 1517 there was no version app that you could just download on your phone and just read the Bible for yourself. They didn't even have that. They didn't even have hard copies like this in 1517 that the average person could have. But Luther was a very well-read man. He read it. So the people would just believe whatever was taught to them by the church and trusted as they should and, and and you know be able to trust men and women of god to teach them the right thing but but what really um, uh, got up martin luther's nose more than anything was this stench of this doctrine called indulgences and if you've heard of indulgences they're horrible wicked things basically if, if I was to, to commit a sin or do something wrong or, or, you know, break one of God's commands, if I was to take then a sum of money, a predetermined sum of money by the church to the priest as an offering and say, He have this money, he then would be able to absolve me of my sins and I'd be given a pardon or uh, forgiveness for that sin. So essentially, you could buy your righteousness and buy your freedom from sin, which we don't find anywhere in Scripture. And so this is why some of the churches are are glorious and magnificent and have incredible detail because the church was so wealthy through a lot of different reasons. But one reason was these indulgences where people would actually pay for their sins to be forgiven. So Luther was not cool with that. And so, so he started and initiated what we would know now as the Protestant Reformation. Protestant meaning protestant, so he is protesting and for reform, Protestant Reformation, to reform the church and its teaching about what salvation and righteousness is actually all about. And his biggest thing was, it's grace alone through faith alone. That was the biggest thing. It's not about works. It's not about paying for your salvation. It's not about doing something in order to get God's forgiveness on your side. It's grace alone through faith alone. And so he posted his 95 theses, 95 issues he had with the church at the time on the, wall, on the door of the church. He was shunned by the church at the time, as you could imagine, He became an outcast. But, but because of his Protestant, Protestant attitude and call for reform, he actually caused the biggest global church split in history. And if we have a look on the screen, there's a bit of a bit of. A, I'm going to have a little nerd moment here for church history. Here is a family tree of Christian denominations. So we see up on the top line are the mainstream churches all throughout history: the Jewish believers, obviously Assyrian Orthodox, Oriental Orthodox, Eastern, and then Roman Catholic Church. All going through even till today, they still are there, and they've come all the way back almost to Christ. But then 157 here, 17 here marks an incredible moment where Luther laid the smackdown on mainstream religion and, and broke away. And from his reformation, all of the, the, the current Protestant denominations have been formed. So down here, we see that obviously Lutheranism came from Martin Luther, Calvinism come through there, the Calvinist movement, Congregationalist, Baptist, Anabaptist, all moving towards where today we see Lutherans, Presbyterians, Baptist Church, Church of Christ, where they all originated from. We, as crazy Pentecostals, were up a little bit higher. We broke off. We were a little a bit late to the party, but in 1534, 17 years later, uh, through the Anglican movement, and then the Methodists, we see Pentecostals break out around the 19th, uh, 1900s, there, which is cool when you get all the others, assemblies of God, and stuff like that. But what is interesting is that all of this that we have today, the, the, the bulk of churches in the Protestant area or denomination started from this moment here. 1517, by a guy called Martin Luther, who had a revelation that it was not about works to earn salvation, but it was about grace. It's wow. so that moment that church history, that church split globally, was based upon the revelation of grace. We can get rid of that now because this is going to distract people, and, and we we see that grace is so incredibly significant. Millard Erickson, in his book, uh, Christian uh, Theology, writes this, Grace is another attribute that is part of the manifold of God's love. By this we mean that God deals with his people not on the basis of their merit or worthiness, what they deserve, but simply according to their need. In other words, God deals with them on the basis, basis of his goodness and his generosity. And as we learned last week from Ephesians 2, it's because of God being rich in mercy and because of the great love with which he loved us, we have been raised to new life with Christ. Because of grace. Because of mercy. It's not about... Grace and works, and we got to earn this thing. Because any time that works enters the equations, it will nullify grace. Because that's the whole point of grace. It's not about what we do. It's about what He has already done through Jesus. And it's by grace through what faith, not by grace through works. Works is is the response to what we've already received by faith through grace. But it's not by grace and works that we. In preparing this message, I, um, I read a quote that said that uh, the Apostle Paul was so preoccupied with the doctrine of grace, he starts and finishes every letter he wrote talking about grace. I was like, that's, I've read Paul's letters, that's not true, that's ridiculous. That's an outlandish comment for someone to get attention and notoriety from their writings. So I thought I'm going to research that. So I went and read all of Paul's letters in the New Testament and they were right. And I challenge you, go home and read that. Um, Every single letter that Paul wrote, in the first few verses, he talks about grace. In the closing verses, he talks about grace. Reminding us about God's grace. Encouraging us in grace towards one another. Highlighting God's grace poured out towards us. Grace was such a significant part of Paul's ministry and teaching and life. And it got me thinking, well, why? Why was... Why was that such a big deal for Paul? Like there's so many other things that Paul could have taught about, and he did, but, but he emphasized solidly this thing called grace at the start and the end of every single time he penned a letter to a church or a person, he reminded them of grace. Why? And I was thinking about that, and I was meditating going, I think I know why. Because when you look at Paul's life before his conversion, and you look at his life after conversion... And you think about what led this to that, you go, oh my gosh. See, before Paul's conversion, he was murdering Christians, he was imprisoning Christians, he was torturing Christians, he was destroying the church. Then he gets converted, and he's building churches, he's encouraging the saints, he's teaching people, he's going on mission trips all around the Middle East to plant churches, encourage churches, so he's gone from, in one moment, destroying the church and trying to silence the church, to building the church and trying to spread it globally because he knows it's the hope for all mankind. And the thing that has been the significant change from that to that is God's grace was revealed to him that what he once was using to destroy God's grace and mercy that he could not deserve has turned him around 180 degrees to then build and, and, and invest in the very thing he was trying to destroy before God's grace came on the scene. No wonder he talked about grace so much. No wonder it was such a big deal. To him. So we've been looking at um, the Book of John. You probably think, well, "Why are you talking about grace? This is Christmas. Talk about baby Jesus." Actually, it was funny this morning. I walked in during practice. I was talking to Mandy and. Watched the music team rehearse, and Baby Arrow, um, who's like a couple months old, is in his little jolly jumper bouncer thing there, asleep. And then Ali, who's like heavily pregnant, is here. He's like, oh, there's Baby Jesus, and there's there's Mary, and then had Joseph on keys over here. It's just like it's like a full nativity scene. We're in awe and wonder. It was amazing. It was very good, very very good. So why why am I talking? About this grace so much. Well, as I said, we've been looking through the first chapter of John, in particular the first 18 verses of John, over the last month is through December. And we've looked at how Jesus because we've got to remember too, though like when we talk about Christmas, we're not talking about baby Jesus, we're talking about the impact of Jesus, the, the significance of what Jesus has accomplished. Not just the fact that he came, but the fact that he lived, the fact that he died, the fact that he was resurrected. It's the whole package. And so we looked at how Jesus is the Word. John talks about Jesus being the Word of God. And If we find it hard to understand God or hear God's voice, we need to look no further than Jesus because Jesus was the Word of God that became flesh and dwelt amongst us as people. So when we want to know what God thinks about something, we want to know how God would respond in a situation, we want to hear God's voice, we just need to look no further than Jesus, what he did, how he treated people, what he taught, and then we will hear God himself. We also learnt that he is the light and the life in a broken and dark world, which we live in. You would, you would have to be living under a rock which coincidentally would be a dark place um, to not know that we are, the world we live in you flick on the news you scroll through social media the world is a broken and dark, dark place but Jesus is the light of the world that shines into the darkness to bring life where there is no life in those dark places and so that, that is who Jesus is he is God's word he's also the life that brings light to a dark place and, and one of the most beautiful things about that, the fact that He is God's Word, sent to dwell amongst us as a person, to, to educate us, to communicate to us, and to create a pathway for us to God for all eternity, is only made available to us by grace. Boy, that sounds really, really nice, but where do you get that? Well, we, see, we get it in John. This is why at the very start of the month I said, I can't get past John 1. There is so much in here that just yells and screams at me about Christmas. So we're going to read it again. It says this John chapter 1, and we just read through the first 18 verses. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus, God, was with God, was God. This We're getting a picture of the Trinity. God is three yet one. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe him. Believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And there's a whole message there that I'd like to preach one day about how you know John the Baptist is, is a symbol of the church today. That we, you and I, are not the light, but we come to bear witness of the light. That the light has ignited something inside of us that we cannot deny, but we have to then promote. We are not good in and of ourselves, but he is good through us. So like John the Baptist, we just proclaim the goodness of God. We proclaim the light into a dark world and God will use us mightily to prepare a way for what God would do on this planet like he did through John the Baptist but that's for another time. Verse 9 The true light which gives life to everyone that's important to note everyone that you don't have to be super awesome you don't have to be a certain type of person you don't have to get your act together for God's grace and mercy and his light to shine on your life. This room is filled with imperfect people that God met where they were at, not once they had dusted themselves off and and got their life in order and started making good, wise life choices. That happens after. That's the works part that happens as a result of God's grace. God's grace is so big because of the richness of love, the richness of mercy that He has. He will find us where we are at. And accept us. Why? Because we are worthy. And no matter how broken or damaged we are, no matter how dark we might find ourselves living, we are still image bearers of God, created in His image. And we therefore have value and worth in His eyes. And so this light gives life to everyone. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever shall believe in Him. Whoever. That homeless guy down the street. That guy who's got millions of dollars in the bank and heaps of investment properties. The, the single mom who's just struggling week to week. The, the school teacher is living just a, a normal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever. It's so important. Verse 10, he was in the world... And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people, and they did not receive him. Interesting. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, which we looked at in Ephesians chapter 2. right? Because of God who is rich in mercy, the great love with which he loved us, he has freely poured out his grace towards us. Who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of men, but of God. And the Word Jesus became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. Here we go. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Verse 16. For from his fullness, so he's full of grace and truth, and from, from his fullness, We have all received grace upon grace. For the law, right, rules, regulations, religion was given through Moses. Uh, An untenable pace of living, um, uh, an unachievable standard of life was issued through Moses with the law. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He's full of grace of truth. Because of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law might have come through Moses, but Jesus fulfilled that law, brought in a new covenant, a new agreement between him and between God and man, where we now have grace and truth through him. This is the spiritual significance of Christmas. This is what it's all about. This is, this is why Martin Luther changed the course of church history 500 years ago. This is why the Apostle Paul start, started and finished every letter with the gospel of grace. That's why when we sing Christmas carols, you will hear the term gospel of grace and that all the way through, because that is the true meaning of Christmas. That, Christmas. that is the essence of the Christian faith. That God is so good that even because we're not, He will still love us and receive us and accept us as we are. When we understand the fullness of grace that God has displayed for us and we have received, then it should change how we see and how we treat other people. When we realize how much we didn't deserve God's love and God's grace and God's mercy, Yet he freely poured it out to us. That should have a massive impact on how we see and treat other people. Because what gives us the right to think of ourselves more highly than somebody else if God was willing to send his only son for us to receive the grace he has for us because of how rich he is in mercy and how great his love is for us that we can't then pour that out to others. Here's a cool thought. Grace given Right, grace when I give grace to somebody else, that looks like favor. That looks like me looking beyond somebody's imperfections and and showing favoritism to some person and rewarding them, blessing them not because of anything they've done, but because I've chosen to have favor on that person, like God has with me. And so, grace given out looks like favor to other people. Grace received, when we are recipients of that grace, it looks like humility. It looks like thankfulness. It looks like gratitude. And when we have both those things together in a package, knowing who we are in Christ, that we have received His, His grace, His love, His mercy, therefore we live a life that is humble, we live a life that is grateful, we live a life that is like so thankful for all God has done because we are recipients of this grace, then therefore we are filled with the fullness of glory upon glory that it talks about, that we can then give out that grace which looks like showing favor to other people all around us no matter whether they deserve it or not and and this for me when we hear I'm going to finish on this one thought oftentimes the 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 crux of the Christmas message is peace on earth right peace on earth goodwill to all men now that that sounds awesome but I've watched the news. I'm a little bit aware of what's actually happening in 2019 on planet Earth. The corruption that is at play, the debauchery that is at play, the, the selfishness and pride that is, that is evident amongst billions of people on this earth. So when I hear a thing like peace on earth, I go, that's not possible. Physically speaking, like really, like to, to think about the. Um, the, the towers and powers that would have to tumble and fall these people and these the authorities that have such a grip on the culture of this planet they would have to release that grip which is a big thing to ask in order for peace on earth to come because of the amount of corruption goodwill to all men, yeah that sounds good but not likely to happen, so as novel and as noble as peace on earth is if that's the story of the Christmas message, how is that possible? Well I, th- I think it is possible, and I think how, how that plays out is is not a not an overnight thing. Like it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. I think it's it's when one person gets a revelation of God's goodness and grace that they have received from Him, and chooses to distribute that to other people, one at a time. That's that's how we literally change the world. When when I get a revelation of this grace upon grace that I haven't earned but God poured out to me because of how rich he is in mercy that even though I was dead in my trespasses and sins but because he sent Jesus into this world to live a sinless life and to create a new covenant between people and and God because I have received this grace then I can distribute that by loving my wife better. I can distribute that by being a greater dad creating opportunity for my kids. I can be that by being a selfless neighbor that will just be attentive to the needs of people around me. I can be that by being generous to that person who's in need and in lack. And so not only am I a recipient of this grace, but I'm a distributor of this grace. And the more we receive, the more we distribute. That is how we have peace on earth and goodwill to all men. And the more of God's children that get a revelation of that and actually live out what they believe, that take the truth from their heart and put it in their hands the more we're going to change this world. That's the Christmas message. That's what it's all about because we have received grace upon grace. And the religious people don't like that because it's about works, right? I've got to do, I've got to do, i got to do. I gotta, no, no, no. You just got to be and just respond from who you already are. Through Moses, the law came. Unrealistic standard for us to live by, which is why Jesus had to come to fulfill that, to start a new way. So we can just receive this grace. And the grace we receive gives us the gifts that we need to distribute to others. Freely we have received, freely we give, right? That's how we have peace on earth. That's how we display goodwill to all men. Thanks for tuning in to the C3CH podcast. We trust this week's message inspired and encouraged you. We hope to see you in one of our services soon. For more information on C3 Church, Coffs Harbour, visit www.c3ch.com.